You know, it was a tough day for a lot of football teams uh, yesterday. Uh, have I got any uh, Auburn fans in the room? What are you laughing about? <laughs> any Tennessee fans? I heard they won. Any, um, who else played yesterday? Alabama. Well, I'm from Missouri, Mike Bailey, and I did hear Alabama beat them yesterday. So uh, the way Missouri is going, I'm going to be wearing a Kentucky hat and a South Carolina hat and a Georgia hat and a lot of other hats, okay? But uh, anyway, congratulations, Mike. All right. Thank you. There you go. Appreciate that. It matches your coat, doesn't it? <laughs> I like that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us and watching over us. And thank you that we can laugh and share. And thank you that we can talk about your word. I pray that you'd speak to us through your word. Help us to hear what you have to say. Glorify Jesus. So we look at a difficult subject, but an important one. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 16. While you're turning there, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been told to go somewhere that you really didn't want to go? All right. You ever had to go somewhere where you really didn't want to go? Maybe it was the dreaded family get-together at the holidays. You're going to spend three days with his family or her family. They live way out in the sticks, and the babies are crying because they got to go out there, okay? There's no internet service. There's no cell phone service. There's no nothing out there except a crazy uncle who will not leave you alone. Or it's midnight, and you promised your second grader that you would bring cupcakes to the Valentine party, but you forgot, and it's the next day, and you can't go early, so you got to go to Walmart at midnight. How many of you have been to Walmart at midnight? It's crazy out there, right? Or maybe you just got out of the dentist office, and the dentist said, you're going to have to have a root canal. How many of you really enjoy root canals? <laughs> and you love your dentist, but he's not the most painless dentist in the world. And you got to go, and it's tomorrow, and you don't want to be there. You ever had somewhere that you had to go, and you just didn't want to go? This morning... I'm going to talk to you about a place that's worse than any of those other places. It's worse than going to the family get-together out in the woods with the crazy uncle. It's worse than going to Walmart in E-Town at midnight. It's worse than getting a root canal. It's worse than all those things put together. We're talking about a place that we don't even talk about in polite company in our society today. We're going to talk about a place where a lot of people, they just don't believe in it because they think surely there could not be a place like that that exists. 
Today I'm going to talk about a difficult subject. We don't like to think about the possibility that you have friends, that you have neighbors, that you may have a son or a daughter or a mother or a father or a brother or sister who is going to be there if they do not turn from their sin and give their life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We're going to talk about a horrible place. I hate to say it. I'm talk about hell. Jude 13 calls hell blackest darkness. Paul calls it everlasting destruction. John describes hell as a lake of fire. In Matthew 8, 12, Jesus described hell as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Concerning hell, the great theologian C.S. Lewis once wrote, There is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than this if it lay in my power. Yet Jesus spoke about hell more than anyone else did in the entire Bible. I know hell is an unpleasant subject, very unpleasant, but to ignore the subject of hell would be worse than a doctor ignoring stage four cancer or an airport ignoring a hijacker or a Gulf Coast weatherman ignoring a Texas-sized hurricane. Think about it. What if you lived in the panhandle of Florida and all the weathermen knew that Hurricane Michael was coming, but they didn't tell you. They didn't tell any of us. They kept it all to themselves. How horribly irresponsible for them to do that, right? Suppose you live down there in the panhandle of Florida, maybe just outside Panama City, and the worst place that it could be. And you have a neighbor who does not have a television set, who does not get a newspaper, who doesn't have the internet, and they have no way of knowing that the hurricane is coming, and they live right next door to you, and you don't tell them. That would be horribly irresponsible on your part, right? If you had a neighbor who was in that situation, you would go to them, you would talk to them. You would probably plead with them. You might try to grab a hold of them and drag them to get them out of that dangerous position. Would you not? Now, I'm not suggesting that you go to your neighbors this afternoon and that you ring their doorbell and that you grab them by the shirt collar and say, Come on now, you give your life to Jesus, okay? You're going to hell. I'm not suggesting that, okay? But what I am saying is that we have neighbors. We have probably friends. We likely have relatives and loved ones who do not know Christ yet. Is the Savior who died for them on the cross and the Lord who rose from the dead. And we have never shared with them anything about what it means to know Jesus Christ. Never so much as even invited them to come to church to hear the gospel encouraging us, I'm challenging us to share Jesus with the world around us. That's why we're doing this trunk or treat thing. 
It's not simply so we can see how many people we can pack into our parking lot. It's not simply so we can be really nice people and everybody thinks, hey, those people are sweet at Northside. It's in order to build a relationship with people who need to know that God loves them and that we love them. And hopefully out of that, we can follow up and share with those who may not know Christ and may not go to a church where they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're trying to connect with people who need Jesus. That's why we have these bracelets on our wrists, many of us. And I encourage you to get one. I'm on my my fifth one. I keep leaving them at home. Okay, anybody with me? And we pray for our kids. It's not simply so they can have a, a great life and get into the best schools and be Miss Congeniality or Mr. Popularity. It's so that they might know Christ and grow in Christ and flourish in Christ and share Christ with the world around them. Does that make sense to you? That's why next month in November... Right before Thanksgiving, we're going to have a service. It's marked there in your bulletin. I think it's November 18th. You can check it out in your bulletin. We're, we're going to actually, on that day, move our service off-site to the Pritchard Community Center. How many know where that is? All right, a lot of you do. We're going to meet over there for worship, and we're going to have lunch. And lunch is going to be free, free for all of you. But the goal in that is not so we can just get together and have a good, nice, free lunch. It's to invite people, your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones who do not have a church home and or do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Because somehow, someway, we got to get the word out to people around us. That's why I'm challenging all of us in 2019 to be trained in evangelism. And we're going to use a very simple method called the three circles. And it talks in a very clear and concise way about how a person can know that they know Christ as their Savior who died for them on the cross and their Lord who rose from the dead and how they can know they're going to go to heaven one day when they die. And it's going to be so simple that all of you can do it, okay? Even the children can do it. The youth can do it. The adults can do it. And next year, I'm hoping, I'm praying that hundreds of us will be trained and thousands of gospel conversations will be taking place because we are proactive in sharing Jesus with the world around us. Anybody on board with that? That's why we do the shoeboxes. It's not simply so some people in some far-off country can have a little present at Christmas and think, oh, I got something. No, it's so that we might make a connection with people who need Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and one day they might go to heaven because they placed their faith in Jesus Christ because of something that you were willing to do as an act of obedience, reaching out in the name of Jesus. You see, hell is real. It's going to be more horrible than you can probably imagine. And once you die, there is no escape. The good news is this. There is an escape route. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as the one who came to this earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross for your sin, rose from the dead... 
and one day is coming back again. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, your boss in charge of your life, then today is your day. Give your life to Jesus Christ. And one day, you will go to an amazing place called heaven, and you will escape a horrible place called hell. You don't have to go. Hell was not prepared for you. Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, 41, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It'd be better to be the poorest person in Hardin County. Looking around the room, most of you don't look too poor. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're looking good today. All right. But it'd be better to be the poorest person in Hardin County. And be covered with sores. And have a constant migraine headache. And be a double amputee. And one day go to be with Jesus and live forever in heaven. Then it would be to be the richest person in America. And have thousands of people who move at your beck and call. And they call you Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful. It'd be better to be the poor, sick, filled with pain, double amputee than to be the person who has everything completely together and yet be lost without Jesus Christ and one day go to hell. Jesus reminds us of that in a parable he told here in Luke chapter 16, starting verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, linen who feasted sumptuously every day and at his gate was laid a good laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table moreover even the dogs came and licked his sores imagine that one man was exceedingly rich the other desperately poor One was covered in purple and fine linen. The other was covered with sores. One ate the finest of foods. The other longed for scraps from the rich man's table. One was honored by men. The other was the companion of dogs licking his sores. The poor man in this parable would have been despised in the eyes of the religious group of big shots in the New Testament known as the Pharisees. To the Pharisees, the hunger for table scraps and dogs licking his sores would have been proof of divine disfavor, but not in the eyes of God. If anything, wealth can be a hindrance to God's kingdom, not poverty. Remember the rich young ruler? Jesus told him, if you want to follow me, give away everything you have to the poor and then come follow me. And the Bible says the rich man went away filled with sorrow because his possessions were more important to him than following Christ. Listen, money is not evil in and of itself. The Bible does not say that. However, 1 Timothy 6.10 tells us that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. It cannot, it must not be our priority. There is only one priority. It's above every other priority, and that is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is offering life today. Abundant, full, and eternal 
life. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, more abundantly. 1 John 5, 12 says, he who hath the Son has life. But he does not have the Son, does not have life. Here in Luke chapter 16, we see a wealthy man who totally misses life's priority. And one day, he will have to answer for it. Go to verse 22. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. No doubt, there was an amazing funeral for the rich man. According to the Jewish custom, there was probably a large crowd, paid mourners, expensive spices, and a preacher who probably stole the verses the virtues of the rich man. I can almost hear the funeral sermon now. He was amazing. He was so much an influencer in our community. He built seven buildings in our town for us. Of course, we had to name them all after him, but that's a different story. They probably went on, and they probably had paid professional mourners at his funeral, because that's what they did back in that day, if you could afford it. But Lazarus couldn't get any of that. He couldn't afford a fancy funeral. Perhaps no one even came. But that's okay. He got something better. A whole lot better. The angels carried Lazarus to paradise. When it comes time for my funeral, don't waste your money on flowers. I've already told my wife, Monique, don't throw away your money on an expensive casket for me, okay? So if I die before my wife does, which I probably will because I'm older than she is, okay? If you can't tell that, just look at us, all right? All right? But if when I die, if you're still around, and they put this casket up here, you think, boy, that's kind of cheap, isn't it? She must be saving that money for somebody else or something. <laughs> Don't be thinking that, all right? Because I told her, I'm not going to be here anyway. You spend that money on you or a giving to God or do something, but don't spend a lot of money on me because I am not going to be here, and neither are you. That's just a shell of who you are. The real you, if you know Christ, is going to be with God, amen? Amen. amen. So don't be dissing on her if that happens. <laughs> Death is the great equalizer. It's one of the most democratic things that we do. If Jesus Christ has not come back first, you're going to die. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to die. Okay, that's not a threat. Okay, don't, don't be saying that now. All right, verse 23. And in Hades, being in torment, he... This rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Now the situation is reversed. The rich man is in torment and the poor man, Lazarus, is in, Lazarus is in paradise. A lot of translations use the word hell here for Hades. But the Greek word is not hell here, it's Hades. In the New Testament, Hades referred to the temporary realm of the wicked as they waited the final judgment. The permanent place of punishment is hell, also called the lake of fire. Revelation 20 tells us that one day death will give up bodies and the lost will stand before Christ in judgment. But according to this scripture, immediately after the wicked die, they will go to a horrible place 
of torment. And immediately after the righteous die, they'll go to this amazing place of paradise. Abraham's bosom, spoken about here, apparently refers to a place for Old Testament believers at the time of death. It's believed by many theologians when Jesus rose from the dead and returned to the Father that Jesus emptied the paradise part of Hades. The Bible teaching is not clear here, but what does seem clear is that today paradise is in heaven where Jesus reigns in glory. Remember what Jesus told the thief on the cross? Today, not tomorrow, not next year, but today you will be with me where? In paradise, right? And he called out in verse 24, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Don't believe the lies. Hell is not going to be fun. I don't care what Billy Joel says, hell's not going to be amazing and heaven's going to be boring. No, 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 no. Hell is going to be horrible and heaven's going to be better than you could ever imagine. See, here's the good news too. God has provided an escape route. Listen, some of you sitting in this room today may not know for sure where you're going to spend eternity. Are you going to spend it with Jesus Christ in heaven forever and ever and ever? Or will you be separated from God forever and one day go to hell? I beg you, I plead with you. If you're not sure of that, nail it down. Be sure. And if I can help you with that, please let me know. I'll be glad to help you if I can. You see, going to heaven is not guaranteed because you belong to a church or because you got baptized in water or you're a really, really, really nice person. Some of the best people in the world will go to a horrible place called hell because they heard the message of Jesus Christ and rather than putting their faith in Jesus Christ, they said, you know what, I think I'm good enough on my own. The Bible says, he who has the Son, Jesus Christ, has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Do you have Jesus Christ living in your life? And if you don't know that, nail it down today. Just be honest with God if you need to be. Say, God, I don't know for sure, but I want to know. If I've never been saved, save me right now. It's all right. I prayed a prayer like that one time after I've been saved. God, I just, I just, I just, I just want to know. God wants you to know, okay? Nail it down. All right, where was I? Don't believe the lies. Hell's not going to be fun. The good news is you don't have to go to a horrible place called hell. Calvin Coolidge was right. One day when he was vice president, Calvin Coolidge was presiding over the Senate. And apparently there was a lot of bickering and arguing going on. I know that's hard to believe that senators bicker and argue, but it happens, okay? Apparently, that's nothing new. Apparently, they were doing this back in the 1920s. And one senator angrily told another to go straight to hell. 
the offended sinner to complain to Coolidge as presiding officer. And Coolidge looked up from the book he'd been leafing through while listening to the debate, and he said this, I've been looking through the rule book, and you don't have to go. I got good news for you today. I've been looking through God's rule book, and you don't have to go to a horrible place called hell. If you are willing by God's grace to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ is the one who died for you on the cross and rose again and one day is coming back again as King of kings and Lord of lords. If you're willing to give your life to Jesus Christ today, you can go to an amazing place called heaven one day. It's going to be better than you can ever begin to imagine. You don't want to miss out on that. It's going to be incredible. Go to verse 25. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus in manner, like manner, bad things. Uh, Abraham says to the rich man, you had a really, really good life on earth. And in essence, you didn't put your faith in God. You, you lived for self. But Lazarus, even though he had a very difficult life, he put his faith in God. And now he, Lazarus, is comforted here in paradise. And you, rich man, some call him Dives, are in anguish. And besides all this between us and you, there's a great chasm. It's been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. Once you die, your destiny is sealed. It's permanently sealed. There's not a second chance. No purgatory, no reincarnation, no do-overs, no parole for good behavior. It's over. Do not pass gold. Do not collect $200. Once you go to a place called hell... You can't leave and say, okay, I'm going to go to heaven here in about 10 years after I do some time. It's not what the Bible says. There are a lot of things in life you cannot know. You can't know what's going to happen in the stock market. Don't you wish you did? You can't know what's going to happen with the economy. You can't know, if you're a working person, whether or not you'll still have a job this time next year or not. But there's something infinitely important that you can know. You can know that you know Jesus Christ who died for you on the cross and rose from the dead, and you're going to be with him forever in heaven. Go to verse 27. And he said, the rich man did, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. If I can't be saved, perhaps my brothers can be. Send somebody to them. Please, Abraham, send, send Lazarus down there. He's still trying to order Lazarus around. Verse 29, but Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. They'll turn from their sin. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced. If someone should rise from the dead, here's the good news. Someone did rise from the dead, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? 
And the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you believe that? Then I encourage you, I plead with you, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, give your life to Jesus Christ today. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about being a church member. It's about do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that's changed your life? Do you know that you know Christ? If you don't know, today's your day. Nail it down. He loves you more than you have the capacity to love. More than your parents, more than your husband, more than your wife, more than your grandparents, more than anybody could love you. Jesus Christ loves you so much he came to this earth to die for you. And if you do know Jesus Christ, we need to be praying. For our family members. We need to be praying for our neighbors. We need to be praying for our friends. That Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, would come and convict people of their sin. And draw them to himself. Because I can't save anybody and neither can you. But God can. And he's reaching out to a world that needs him. And he's called us to partner with him as we share Jesus Christ with a world. That desperately needs to know Christ as Savior Now, a lot of you have done that, but maybe God's leading you to to be baptized and to to join this church. If God's leading you to do that, we're going to sing a song in just a minute. And when we sing that song, you come forward and just tell me, hey, God's leading me to, to do that. Maybe you already have been baptized, but you've never joined the church. And God's leading you here. Whatever God is saying to you, say yes to him. He loves you. Would you pray with me?